All right, if you have a Bible, uh, turn to uh, 1 John chapter 4. Now, as you're turning there, um, today is the start of a a new series, a a five-week series, which uh, I'm calling it By Design. Um, That's the, the, the name of it. And what we're going to do is we're going to, I want us to understand a few things. Uh, and some of these things are, are not anything that you don't already know. Uh, but um, we have to understand that, you know, God created all things. And I get, we're, we're already saying, well, I understand that, Lee. Okay, but God created all things, and therefore, he, when he created them, created all things, he had a specific standard for all things. All right, he created it in, in a certain way. But what happened is that, that the devil came uh, in and uh, corrupted God's creation by deceiving uh, um, Adam and Eve, and sin entered into the world. And when sin entered into the world, this corruption, um, it, it just marred everything that God created as good. So when we, we look at this, um, what we have now is instead of, of the, the intended way in which God uh, created it, we have this counterfeit. Uh, it's a counterfeit of lies. It's a counterfeit uh, that, that the devil is using to deceive uh, mankind. It's this counterfeit that, um, our, that humanity and societies, uh, they look at, they accept, and they use to view everything. So what, what I want to do is uh, just discuss that, you know, the, the, there is a way in which God designs things, there's a way in which it's been corrupted, but we can understand and we can go back to and have a, a, a complete and full understanding of the way in which God designed it to be so that we don't have to succumb to what the world says, we can follow what God says. Now, and, and as, I'm, I'm, as, as we're going to, to look at this, um, and this is going to be a discussion over five main topics uh, over the next five weeks. We're going to hit um, uh, things, or, or the, these five topics, love, marriage, sex, parenting, and money. So th- those five things, I, I don't know um, if you can get a, a, a better top five list of topics to, to preach about that people want to know, um, what, what am I supposed to do in, in, in those things? Or those, those situations, those topics. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you this. If some of you are already thinking like, well, I'm going to be uncomfortable uh, uh, you know, when we talk about uh, marriage or we talk about parenting or we talk about sex or whatever, uh, understand that there's going to be some uncomfortableness coming from the front too. But that doesn't mean that we don't need to talk about it. Now, and, and we've planned it out this way that uh, when we talk about love and sex and money, um, that these are going to be the weeks in which the, our, our kids are in here with us uh, because I think that this is Im- important. Um, and, and if you have a, a, uh, like even a junior hire that, that is not in the service th- at this time, that you want them to be in here on these certain weeks, feel free to, to keep them in here with us. Uh, because on like this week we're going to talk about love, um, and then in a couple weeks we're going to talk about sex, and in a couple weeks we're going to talk about uh, money. So in between there's going to be marriage and parenting. But I, I believe that... Um, that our, our kids need to hear how God designed the, these things. Not, not just our kids. Y'all need to hear it too. We all need to understand that God designed things like sex to be a beautiful thing. Um, and, and, and marriage to be something that is not uh, 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 burdensome. 
But what we have to understand is if we continue to look at all of this stuff through the world's lens and not God's view and the, the, the design in which God has for it, um, we, can, um, we, we can just live in this, this uh, skewed, and I like to use the, the, the word tainted, um, this, this tainted perspective. Um, so as, as, as it is going to be talked about you know, throughout this, this study here, my objective in this is not to address every problem and try to solve every little issue, every little nuance of each one of these topics. What I want to do is I just want to look at the view which society has. They can give you the proper view of it. So there's going to be things that you're going to say, yeah, but what about this? Or what about that? Yes, there's going to be a lot of things in which as we look at, um, uh, as we look at all of this, you're going to say that, well, you could talk about sex this way, or you could talk about marriage this way. Y- y- yes, I-, I totally understand that. So if you have something like you want to, like feedback, feel free to give it to me, but at the same time, feel, uh, uh, don't, don't feel offended if I say shut up. Um, because here's the deal. The intended purpose is not to solve the whole problem. I cannot do that. If I could solve the, the, the love problem and the sex problem and the, the marriage problems and all of this, if I could do that, I probably wouldn't be standing here on this stage. I'd be like on Oprah. I mean, I, I would, would be Dr. Lee instead of Dr. Phil or what, what, whatever. And here's the deal. I don't, want, I don't want to solve the problem. I just want to point you in the right direction and give you the right perspective. So um, what we're going to do is that we're going to deconstruct a lot of, of what you already know about certain things. Now, when we deconstruct the way in which you, you, you think about certain things, I, I'm not going to say that you don't know anything about any of these topics. I, I, I would be ignorant if I, if I would say that. What, what I want you to do is as we're going through these things, these topics, I want you to be, just be honest with yourself. And if there's areas in which you thought wrongly, then deconstruct that and let's reconstruct a, a right thinking. But if there's an area in which you're thinking rightly, well, then, 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 then support that and say, okay, that, that, that's great. Oh, oh confirm that. I, I was thinking this way. So what I don't want is, is everybody to kind of go out here with this big burden on, on your, your back and say, well, the preacher said that I don't know anything and I got to rethink everything. Well, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm, what I'm saying is there's a, a perspective in which the world gives us, but there's a perspective which God designed us to have. So, uh, with that, um, I have one main objective for all of our time together over the next five weeks. And my main objective is not to make you feel stupid. Okay? That's not my main objective. It's, that's what my main objective, my main objective is not. My main objective is just one thing is to show you how God designed things, how God's design for things, I should say, is better. What, what do you mean it's better? You, you'll, you'll see. We'll, 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 uh, we'll talk about it, um, and uh, hopefully um, each week as, as we look at uh, one of these five topics, um, we will uh, we'll see why God's design is better. And as we see why God's design is better, my, my prayer is that you look at God's design and want to, I want your life to resemble God's design versus the world's, the world's view for it. All right, with that, today I told you we're going to talk about love. I don't know how, I don't know about you, 
But I, I know me that one of the hardest things to preach about or even to, to talk about um, in, in, when you're not feeling it is love. What, what, what do I mean? So th- this week, it's just been kind of a, a tough week for me. You know, my back's been acting up and I've just been kind of cranky uh, when... I said kind of cranky, dear. You don't have to... Whatever. Um, so, I mean, it, when... When, I, when I'm in pain, I'm a big baby. I, I, I get that. And, and I can be a little bit moody, and I just don't feel very loving. Just leave me alone. I don't feel good. Just I, I want to be alone, and, which was totally awesome when I'm, I'm, I, I'm preparing this week for this message because over and over and over and over again, I had to force myself to um, remember what I was going to be preaching on. You're going to be preaching on love. Quit being a jerk. No, she didn't say that. I know she was thinking about that. But, but this is one of the hard, oh, it's a hard thing to, um, to, to kind of get in, the, in the, the mood, the mode to uh, really communicate properly because, and I believe it's because of the way in which our world has given us the view of what love is supposed to be. Well, if, if, we, if we were to take a poll and we were to go all the way around the room and we were to ask every single person in here, tell me what love is or define love, we get a hundred different variances of what love is. And, 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 and I'm not saying that, that you're wrong. Well, maybe some of you are wrong. Uh, but I, I think, though, that, that we, what we have is we have this tainted view, this contaminated view of what God designed love to be. Because what we have is we, we can look up textbook definitions because that's what we love to do. Is like, okay, what is love? Well, love is, and I did look up textbook definition for you, an intense feeling of deep affection. Oh, yeah, ooh. You know what? And, and here's the deal. Like, the, these definitions, these aren't even wrong. I, I like some of these definitions here. So an intense feeling of deep affection. So when, when, you, when, when I'm thinking about this, I don't always feel an intense feeling of deep affection for my kids. I was going to say wife, but she's sitting right here. No, I don't always feel like that. Or how about this? A great interest and pleasure in something. Well, according here to, to, to the way in which um, the, the, the dictionary defines this, and really how uh, our world defines this, that it's this, this feeling, it's this pleasure, it's this emotion. Or how about this? To like or enjoy very much. Right? Now, when we look at this, are they wrong? No, but here's the deal. It's hard to describe what love is. Because what happens is, too many times, love and lust get confused. We live in a world that we have some of our, 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 the people that are in our life that they say, well, they're in love with one another. Well, no, is it, is it true love, or is it a lust that, that one person is just trying to get something from that other person? It might not even be sexual. It, it may be. Most of the time it usually is. Uh, but it may not be that lust may not be even sexu- a sexual type of lust. It may be like an affirmation or, or an identity that one person is trying to get from the other person. That's not love. That's called manipulation. That is wrong. Well, I really love him or I really love her. Okay, before you jump off on the bandwagon and you show up at my door and say, hey, will you marry me? We're so in love. It never happened before. Um, but we, we're so in love. Let's just look at what, 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 what that means to love and see if it's, if it's lust 
Or if it is true, if it is true love. Now, I'm not saying that, that lust can't turn into love. Usually what lust turns into is sin. Uh, but then we can remember, you can't unscramble scrambled eggs. But what we can do is we can help you understand better what true love is. But according to the world, if I'm, just, if I'm just committed to someone or something, if I just have a deep affection for it, then I must be in love. If you get your definition of love from the Hallmark Channel, pause for effect, my, my, my daughters aren't in here, my wife is though, they watch that stupid channel all the time. I'm not saying she gets her, her, that's where she gets her definition of love, but if you, because if you watch the Hallmark Channel, that is not love. That, that, that is some weird puppy dog something or another. I, I can't even explain what, what it truly is. But if we get our definition of love from the world, we're not going to truly understand what God has, uh, has created it to really be and His design uh, for it. So we look at the, the world's view. Well, let's look at the Christian view. Now, the Christian view of love, this is important because um, even in the Bible, there are multiple words that are used to uh, communicate uh, different types of love. So I, I'm not going to get into brotherly love, or, or so there, there, there's, there's phileo, there's eros, there's, there's other words that, that have a, there's a connection in there, and there's a, there is a, 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 an empathy or a sympathy or, or, or a relationship that's involved. What I want to talk about when we talk about the Christian's view of love, I want to talk about the one that, sets, that is set apart from all other views of love, and that's the agape love. That is the, the, the love that when Jesus says that they will know you by the way in which you love one another, it's not how you befriend someone. It's not how you, you, you're like, oh, he's my, he's my, my, my buddy, my power, she's this. Or, no, it, it's this how you love them according to um, God's standards. And that's what this agape love is. This, so our, our Christian view of what love should be is this. Here, here's a definition for you. A strong, non-sexual affection and regard for a person. So it's kind of thinking, it's kind of still a little along the same lines. But, and they're good, under, and they're good as understood. Now this is, where, this is where we vary here. So it is a, a non-sexual affection. It's a deep regard for a person and they're good. But it's understood by God's moral character. The determining factor here of, of, of the Christian view here of agape love in the world's view is that love is determined by God's moral character. This is what sets us apart. So when we do hear when Jesus says that they'll know that you're my disciples by the way in which you love one another, it's, it, it's a, a love that is modeling uh, Christ, it is modeling God through you. Because it's his moral character that is, is being made present in this situation. So, when we look at that, we can say, whew, man, my head's already starting to hurt, Lee. I, I get it. So, but here's what we really need to understand. The world's view and, God, and the, the Christian view, they're, they're different. And it's okay that they're different if you know that they're different. Now, what we can't do is we can't impose on the world to be, uh, to, to have, I should say, the Christian uh, view of love. We can't expect that to, to, to happen. I can't look at one of my uh, unbelieving friends and say, well, I can't believe you're not acting, uh, uh, that's not the way in which a Christian should love. And they, because they would look at me and they would say, yeah, because I'm not a Christian. 
But that's what we try to do all the time. We, didn't, we try to impose things on people that they, they, can't have, they don't have the capacity in which to do that. I'm not saying that our world can't be changed. What I'm saying is, though, let's look at how we view these. And as we're going to see how God's design for this truly is. So the big idea for today is that God's design for love is better. God's design for love is better. Now, in your text here, in 1 John chapter 4, this is where we're going to be. We're going to be in verses 7 through 12. Um, as we're going to look at this, I know that there are some of you that have already that were already going to say, wait a second, if we talk about love, we've got to talk about 1 Corinthians 13 because it's a love chapter. I know, dear, it is. You're absolutely right, and it's good. That's, that's Shannon's favorite chapter. Because uh, she, uh, all the time, Elie, love is patient and kind. Right? I, yeah, yes, dear. She put it on a plaque. It's there. I got it. I got it. it I'm, I'm, I'm a work in progress. Love you. Um, anywho. I understand, though, that yes, that is good, it describes love, but I want to go a little bit deeper. I want to go a little bit deeper into to this understanding what love is, because I know that there are some of you here that are, are already thinking, I don't need to listen to this Yahoo, because I already know what love is. Well, fine. I mean, maybe I step down, and here you can, you can teach on, on this a whole lot better. But I would, I, I, I would press you. I would question, do you really truly understand God's design for it? Because I think that we, we, we say we know it, but then we act as if we don't. And then what happens is then you come knocking on my door and say, oops, I messed up. I, I get it. I'm not perfect. I got plenty of pastor's doors that I can knock on. All right? That's why I don't come knocking on your door. But, but understand that this, we have to have this, this, this view we have to have this understanding that God's design is better. And I'll answer this question because you're asking it. Why is God's design better? Because it's God's. Yeah, yeah, that's the answer, but I'm going to explain it a little bit better here for you. Yes, it is God's. But to better understand God's design for love... Now, now hear me, I need to pay, pay close attention to what I'm saying. To better understand God's design for love, we need to better understand God's love. So, so, so let that sink for a second. Well, you're saying the same thing. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Hey, well, that's the wrong. First uh, John, not John. Sorry. First John 4. I, I heard you guys mumbling out here, but okay, now we can pay, pay attention to what I just said. To better understand God's design for love, we need to better understand God's love. Because it's taken one step further here, and that's where, that's where we're going to be here in 1 John chapter 4, in these few verses. There's going to be three things, as you see in your little handout there, that there's three things, uh, points that we'll make, and then we'll, we'll uh, go get ready for uh, whatever football game you are watching today. Woohoo, I understand. Hey, football started for me last week. <clears throat> Excuse me. First John chapter four, verse seven. Beloved. So right off the bat, we know who he's talking to. He's talking to brothers and sisters in Christ. He's talking to Christians. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. 
And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. If you were to go on, it says a lot of the same things, and it just reinforces it over and over again here. Um, the, the, this portion of Scripture... Uh, we were talking about it in the elders meeting this morning that this portion of scripture verses 7 through 21 is like the most condensed portion of scripture that talks about love in the whole bible if you were to go through and highlight every time it says love you probably run out of highlighter ink i'm being facetious here but it's a lot in this little tiny passage of scripture it talks about love immensely it talks about it because it is the focal point of what the apostle here is trying to get across to this congregation, these people. What we have here in the first few verses here, verses 7 and 8, is we have our first, the first point in which I want to make with you today. Because if we're going to talk about how God's design for love is better and we're going to talk about God's love, what we have to understand is that God's love has a reliable source. Why is God's love so much better? Why is God's design so much better? Because God's love has a reliable source. You can see that very easily there in that text. The last three words of verse 8 says what? God is love. Now, when we, when we look at that, let's not forget all of the other attributes of God, but what we have to do is we have to see what's being communicated here. And the reason this is being communicated is because we have to understand where love is sourced from. And it says that God is love here. God's love is rooted in Himself. It's not dependent upon anything else. It's rooted in Himself. Now, understand this. So if it's rooted in Himself, love is from God, from God goes out from God. Love is not something that is man-made. This, this point here is one that really, when I was putting all this together, is, it's kind of like the mainstay because too often what we do is we have feelings, and I'm, feelings aren't bad. Total, I'm not saying feelings are bad at all, but your feelings can change. And as, we, as we, we, we look at something like love, we have to just be real about this, that the human heart is fickle. Some of you, well, my heart's not fickle. I would, I would beg to differ. Have you changed your mind about anything in the past five minutes? <laughs> or just five days, five weeks, five months, five years. Your heart is fickle. Our hearts are, it doesn't mean that, 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 that God can't use, it doesn't change the heart. I'm not saying that at all. But if we were just to go off emotions, we would be tossed all over the place. Oh, I love this. Oh, wait a second. This is better. I love this. And oh, I love this. And we would be all over, all over the spectrum. We would, we would tire ourselves. So some of you are sitting in here right now, and, you, and I'm, I'm describing your, your, your view and your, your love life. Like, yes, it can be very tiring. It's because it's not sourced, it's not founded on the source of God's love. And you're just going off of feelings and going off of emotions and you're being chased over here and tossed over here. So what we need to do is take a step back, understand that God's love is better, and the reason that it is better 
is because God's love is, it has a reliable source. It's sourced in Him. I love that it says this. It reminds me of what um, the, the interaction between Abraham and, and God in, in Genesis 22, and also that it was brought up in um, Hebrews chapter 13 when it talks about when God was talking to Abraham and he was telling him what he was going to do and to, to swear to what it is that he was going to do. It says that God swore to himself because there was no, har- no higher authority. Now, let, let, me, let me say something as a side note. This is totally a side note. If you swear to God on anything, stop it. Please. I, 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 I've heard too many, why, why are you going on the soapbox? Because here's the deal. Uh, one, you're profaning the Lord's name. Two, nine times out of ten when you say, oh, I swear to God, it's because your word has lost so much value, you're trying to grab value somewhere else. How about you just let your yes be yes and your no be no? Okay, and just, just let that happen. So, so one, don't, don't swear to God. Just let your life show, okay, if I'm going to say this, I'm going to do this. Because I don't think anybody wants to put God as the, here's my collateral, because that's basically what you're saying when you swear to God. I'm putting God as my collateral that I'm going to do it. What happens when you don't do it? Well, I know, everybody does everything they say they swear to God about. No, you don't. I, I, I've seen it way too much, and I'm just, it's just a word of caution. This is just a, a soapbox moment. This is for free. Just, just stop it. Just stop doing it. Because there, there's a reason there's a commandment that says that, that not to use the Lord's name in vain, right? That's using it in vain. So stop it. Moving on. So when God swore on himself, how can God swear on himself and it be okay? Because God has the ability to fulfill everything he says. Do you? You might, you might have the best intentions. I might have the best intentions on something, but it is outside of my capacity to control every element for something to happen. So when God says he swears upon himself, it's because it's the highest authority. And because he can do and he can, he can change and has control over everything, that's why, that's why he can get away with it and you can't. So, so here's an, another awesome note for you. Quit trying to be God. Let God be God. It, it will free your, you from a lot of things in your life. Yeah, be self-controlled, but don't try to control everything else. Let's go, let's go on. When we're talking about that God's love has a reliable source, uh, he, here's what I want you to, to kind of really get out of this, is that when you're trying to understand um, love, when you're trying to understand love as it's displayed in the world, remind yourself that true love is founded in God. It's founded in and sourced by God. Can, can, can you have true love? Absolutely. Do you have to be this super Christian to have true love? No, 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 no. True, pure love is sourced from God. There is no sin that's involved in true love. That, that would be a good indication of is, is it love or is it lust? There's no sin that's involved in true love. Now, if you're sitting here and you're like, oh, I, I'm going to throw my shoe at him now. Well, hold, hold on a second. My wife throws her shoe at me all the time, so I'm good at dodging things. But you're thinking, well, yeah, well, he said his back was hurting this week. Yeah. Well, I might be a little bit slower, but I'll still move out the way. I'll be like, what was it? What, which bush was it? Was it, was it HW that moved out of the way when the reporter threw the, got the, the, the shoe? Throw? Does anybody remember that? Okay, yeah, all right, we're good. Right, I'll move. But if you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, wait a second, I'm, I'm in love. Okay, I'm not, I don't want to question you. I don't want to argue with you. I just want you to examine that in what you're saying and examine it upon what God has said. 
so that you can have the, the full enjoyment of what love is truly meant to be and designed to be. Let's move on to the second one. Verse 9 says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son, or sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. When we look at this, and here's your, your, your second fill-in. God's love involves an ultimate sacrifice. God's love involves an ultimate sacrifice. Remember that this agape love, this, this definition of it is understood by God's moral character. God's love involves an ultimate sacrifice. What we have to understand is that God's love for us is measured by the price he paid to receive it. Did, now, now when I say this, it's like, did God need our love? No, no, no. God doesn't need anything. God didn't need our love. He chose to, to show his love, and he chose to, to, to love us, and he said, I'm going to pay the ultimate price to do that. I, I, I loved it to, to say it this way, that you can measure the value of God's love by the cross. Think about this for a second. When it says here that he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, that word propitiation, it means the atoning, sac sac or the atoning sacrifice for the wrath of God. Meaning that, that, that a righteous God was, was angry. And this, this, is, this is righteous anger because his standard was, be, was marred, was not being followed. Therefore, his righteous anger had to pass judgment on those who, who, who uh, were, were breaking the law. And for, for his righteous anger to be fulfilled or to be satisfied, a sacrifice had to take place. Someone who they could pay the penalty for the sin, a life for life. But it couldn't just be anyone, because if it were just any human being, they would have to atone for their own sin and then for the sins of everyone else, and it just would be an ongoing thing. But the ultimate sacrifice is when Christ came... He was able to because he was the spotless lamb. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the, the sins of the world. He was the spotless lamb. He was without sin. But what he could do is he could die in the place of the sinful you and the sinful me because he didn't have any sin in himself. So by him dying for us, that was the, the satisfying atonement. That was the propitiation for, the, for God's wrath to be satisfied. So when we're talking about God's love, we can't say that, that God's love didn't cost anything. No, it cost him his son. And, and too often what we do is we just think, oh, and we just try to spread God's love everywhere and we just do it flippantly and we're not thinking about what we're saying. Yes, we need to spread God's love, but we need to understand the cost of God's love. Now, does it cost us anything? No, it doesn't cost us anything. It cost him everything. God's ultimate display of love is seen in the cross of Christ. His ultimate display of love is seen in the, the cross of Christ. I, I'll let you in on a little, bit of, a little secret of mine. I get annoyed. I get annoyed when people say, I don't know if God loves me. Now, and, and I usually don't shake them like I want to. But, but okay, well, I'm, in, I'm in good company right here. I can, I can share how I, how I feel about this, right? 
So when somebody says, especially when it's a Christian that comes up and says, you know, I'm having this hard time. I don't know if God loves me. What else can he do to show his love for you? What else could he do? Because think about this. If the cross wasn't enough for you to think and for you to to feel if God loves you, nothing else will. I don't know who, I mean, I I run into those people all the time. Well, I don't know if God loves me. Come, Come on. He bled and died for you. What more do you want? You want a shiny new watch? Do you want a little sticker? What, what, what is it? So I, I say that, and, and, and I'm going to press into that, because if the cross isn't enough for you, nothing will be enough for you. You're going to try to fill that void with a whole bunch of other stuff instead of filling it with the love of God, that, that God-shaped hole that's inside of us. Only His love can fill that. And if His love doesn't fill that, nothing you put in there will. So if the cross isn't enough, man, we, we got to talk. We, we, we really got to be, be, because it's, you're going to go through a, a, a hard time of trying to put all this stuff in there. And, and, and you're going to try, to try to go this, this route and this route, and, and it's just going to be a continual, I'm trying, I just, I can't be satisfied. I know you can't because the cross isn't enough for you. D- does it make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. The gospel does not make sense. God shed his blood. God gave us his son. God died in my place. I didn't deserve it. But he did it anyways. It doesn't make sense to us. Because what happens is we think that we have to do something in return. Well, if I get this and I have to give this, and I have to do, I've got to earn this. and That's how we're, we're, our, our mind works. Instead of the truth is that God gave and all we have to do is receive. If his gift isn't enough, there's going to be a struggle for you. But it doesn't mean that you're hopeless. What you need to do is you, you've got to get to that point where you say, he's enough. He is enough. Jesus is enough. Are you going to look weird to the people around you? Yep. Because they're not going to get it. When you say, you know, you know what, my relationship with Christ is enough. What he has done for me is enough. Well, you're a weirdo. I, I'm sure that that's what my new name in heaven is going to be. Sir Weirdo. Whatever. It's okay. Think about this. Without God's love, there's no gospel. Without God's love, there is no good news. So what we have to understand is that God's love, if it was merely an emotion... And again, remember, we're not against emotions, against feelings. Does God move in something? Absolutely. But if God's love was merely an emotion or a feeling, then it wouldn't cost such a high price. So, so, so think about that. We're looking at God's design for love, and we're now we're, we're, still, we're looking at the God, what God's love is, and it's, it involves an ultimate sacrifice. But it doesn't end here. Verse 11. Beloved, there again, he's reminding you, hey, I'm talking to you. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. And I, I love that. It, it kind of stops there in the sentence. Yes, it continues on, but there's a, a punctuation here. Like They're saying, no one has ever seen God, 
If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. What is he saying? No one has ever seen God. No one has ever laid eyes on God. But if God's love is inside of us, they're going to see him through us. And this comes, my last point here is that God's love provides an eternal security. Because it says here, <clears throat> excuse me, that God abides in us. That if, if, if God loves us and we love God, it says he abides in us. He takes up residence inside of us. This means if he takes up residence inside of you, you can't get rid of him. I love, uh, in, in Hebrews 13, it's, it talks about, uh, it's referencing back to Joshua and, and to, to Deuteronomy, but it, it talks about how, how he will never leave you or forsake you. That's why I can say with confidence that God's love provides an eternal security. I can be eternally secure because he says that if he's abiding in me, that he is never going to leave me. Remember, he is all-powerful. He is almighty. I can't strong-arm God. If he abides in me, he's never going to leave me or, or, nor forsake me. I love uh, Psalm 136. You don't have to turn there. Do it this week. Go to Psalm 136. Uh, not, not right now. Go to Psalm 136 and just read through this psalm because it's, there's this uh, stanza or this, 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 this phrase that's said, it's said over and over and over and over again. And it's this, his steadfast love endures forever. When you read it, it'll say, it'll say a, a, a truth, and then it'll say his steadfast love endures forever. A truth, his steadfast love endures forever. A truth, his steadfast love endures forever. That repetition is what we need to be continually telling ourselves. His steadfast love endures forever. So if we're looking at God's love, what we, can, what we have to understand is, and you've heard me say this before, but we have to understand that there's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Because His steadfast love endures forever. He has given you His love unconditionally. He has sacrificed His Son for you. If, you, if you're a Christian, He has sacrificed for you. So there, there is, He can't give you any anymore. Well, I need a new car. I need a... No, no. You, 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 you're... Your view of love is, is, is kind of skewed towards the world here. Look at what God's view is here. Look at what God's love is. This, this is beautiful on two, on two different ends. One is, I don't have to try to gain God's favor. So I don't have to, 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 to give a whole bunch of money or um, give a whole bunch of time. or do, Are those things good? Yes, God blesses those. So don't hear me like, keep your tithes. No, no. We should give from what God has given us. But I, don't have to gain, I can't gain his favor. But at the, at the other end of the spectrum, I can't do something so stupid that I fall out of love with God. Or I should say this, he falls out of love with me. Because I, I know that there's plenty of people in here that have, have had that thought, are having that thought, or will have that thought. That, man, I messed up. Does God really love me? It doesn't nullify the cross. So there's nothing you could do to make him love you any more, and there's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. My, uh, my, my desire for you, my, my plea for you, is to, to live in that, to live in that truth that God loves you, 
And therefore, since he loves you, that you have value, you have purpose, your, your, your identity is found in him, in him alone. As you look back through all, all, all those three points there, my, my concluding argument for you is this. It is only when we understand God's love and his design for love that we can fully enjoy the love he intended. When we, it's not until we understand his love and how he designed love to be that we can truly fully enjoy the way in which love was intended. The way in which my wife loves me and the way in which I love my wife and I love my kids and I love you guys. I can't fully enjoy that if I'm just looking at it from the world's perspective. Because you know, you know why? Because you guys make me angry sometimes. <laughs> You're hard to deal with sometimes. I, I, we, pastors talk all the time and, and we, we say this, sheep bite and they hurt. So if it was just a feeling or an emotion, deuces, I'm out. But when I understand God's love and how He designed God's love, I can endure this. And I can not just endure the hard times, I can enjoy the good times too. And I, I think that that's the, the, the big ticket item here is to understand God's love is, is, is paramount for you to enjoy the way in which He intended it to be. So my hope is that when you think of love, that you begin with God's love and you filter everything through it. Now this doesn't mean that you have to be some super Christian to be able to figure out and enjoy the, the love in which God has, uh, how God has designed love. You don't have to be, no. But you have to have a starting point. You've got to be able to, to, to say that well, He is the, the author and the sustainer. He is the one that is a source of love. I want my love to, I, I want to enjoy that. As Jesus says, that, that, that full life, that abundant life, I want to enjoy that. Well, you enjoy that by understanding what God's design for that is. So this week, as, as, we're talk, as we talked about love, let's let just that, that sink in a little bit. The God's love is a reliable source. It's the ultimate sacrifice, but it's the eternal security. And as we go from it, let us measure everything by that. And as we do, just watch how God's going to change. He's going to change your heart. Your life's going to change. I'm not saying that's the motivation of why we do it. It's, it's, it's the um, product, the byproduct of him doing it. Let's pray. Father God, we, uh, again, we thank you for the day in which you've given us. God, I, I thank you for being able to open your word and seeing your truth and um, understanding a little bit more about who you are by looking at your love. God, it's my prayer that, that, um, that everyone that, that has heard these words today, God, that they, they, they view the love in which they have in their life and they view it through the, the, the lens and the filter of what you designed it to be. Lord, if there's those who are struggling in this area, my, my prayer is that they reach out to someone. Uh, God, that they, they, they say, I, 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 I need help here. Maybe just clarification. But God, that they understand that you didn't design us to be isolated. You, you designed us and you intended us to be in loving relationships. So Father, let us, let us welcome that. 
God, let us, let us lift up your truth. Let us lift up your word. Let us give you all the glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.